where do you draw the line? Like, in order to be healthy and feel good and move well and recover well, you have to be pretty technical with, you know, your movement or the, the lift. And you have to just be conscious and smart during exercise. So, like, what, what I was kind of telling you a second ago is, and what I've created in here, and I know and I'm starting to really see it, is there's these times of which I've really preached the importance of being as good as we can today, as technical as we can, and really think about all the little things like, is my, am I keeping my glute on? And are my ribs splaying? Or, you know, like, every, like being very technical. And then there are those times when exercise, like, you, I love exercise. Like, it is my antidepressant. And so then my clinical and my what would be scientific and, and proper advice sometime is completely opposite of what my advice would be for like the antidepressing side of things. Like, hey man, just get out and move, have fun, enjoy exercise. Oh, I suck at push-ups. It's okay, just do push-ups right now. You know, but then on the other side, we're so strict. And I guess what I mean, like what I, I think that I need to do a better job of, um, and I think people need to do a better job of, is just understanding the differences and what's the world in between there. You know, as long as, like we talk about with food, of having a good balance, like an 80-20 balance, of having a good balance with your physical exercise, like the times and when you're just playing around and... Mm, in which you know might be a little bit more risky, a little bit harder to recover from, or you're kind of overreaching or whatever it is, or you playing around and just being more active, even in a healthy way, you're not consciously thinking that it could be taking up. Oh, it's just a little too much activity and it'll take away from the things you are, you know, dead set on. Um, but that's just a, something that like, I've really been thinking about recently in, um, Nobody falls victim to this worse than, than, than Michael Elliott, right? The one Michael Elliott, I, we love him to death. And I, he, he's so good about like wanting to understand what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then here you got somebody who's like really wants to hear like every detail. And then they try to, they're smart enough and intellectual enough to like think of every detail as it's going that that exercise just, then there's those times when I'm like, Michael, I need you to just grab it and go, you know, and I'm like contradicting myself, you know, but I guess for, for trainees and and people, they need to, we need to start thinking about like just keeping that good balance between being as technical as possible and having a little bit of freedom and fun and starting and, and always just thinking like assessing how is this impacting you know, my overall recovery ability, my overall life, my overall happiness, my, you know, is this stressing me out more or, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling on that, but you know what I mean? No, I do. I mean, I think that I'll get lost in that in, in a variety of things, but you know, think about in here where, yeah, I want to be super technical and want to know like, okay, is my snap, am I doing everything right in this movement to, to do the snatch or is my, you know, my swing or whatever, or, my press is everything where you get kind of lost in that. And it's like, well, I'm also here for the purpose of getting better, of getting stronger, of, of pushing myself. And I, 
lose that sense of like, sometimes you got to just go in and like, just go after it. Yeah. And that, that's, that's like the hardest part for me in jujitsu actually is I always want to be really technical. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to be, I really strive to want to have like understand the technique and how it works and, and be technically pretty. Right. But sometimes, and, and professor Raphael talks about this where it's like, sometimes it's just time to get up and go. Like you gotta just go. And it's like, it's not a matter of, Oh, I'm going to do this perfect 10 step thing. And it's like, no, you gotta just get up and put them down, you know? And I think it, we, we lose that though. And like you said, these are, you always talk about, you know, really pushing the, the uh, technique of it. You're exactly right. That's one of the biggest lessons that I always have taken from him. And I, every time I hear him say it in a class or in a, in any type of time, he's talking about that. It makes so much sense because I'll have so many questions going through my head and why don't I do this? And, Oh, this is something I should listen. He's about to talk about this position and it's like sometimes grab it and go. And it's, and then I think back to the powerlifting days and uh, strength sports days, and there's there's a commitment. There's a commitment to grabbing it and putting him back down and going. Yeah, it's risky, and the, you know it's it's the hardship. It's the hard road. It's that go. Lots of people want to get strong. Lots of people want to get in shape. There's there's a commitment, and there's a a line that you gotta commit to step over, and it's the one of. I'm not exercising for a uh, a long, healthy, pain-free life. I got some goals of performance, and that's what you see in, in powerlifting and all strength sports. The ones who are actually doing it, they jump, they've committed into it, and they grip it and rip it. And there's there's they make shit happen, and you get mentally inspired to push it. And I find it funny because when you're in that mindset, you're always might be nicked up and have little things, but you don't think of them the same. When you're out of that mindset, the first little nick, you feel it, and it's like, well, I don't know, my knee's kinda bothering me a little bit, I don't know to train. Then you talk to the power lifter, and it's like, I figure out a different squat exercise I can do when my knee bothers me, you know? Uh, so I've always thought it's funny when I listen to people, and again, it's, it's that different um, group, because when I'm listening to people that I'm trying to help be pain-free, talk about aches and pains. I'm always laughing inside because it's just like, (laughs) I hurt all over all the time sometimes, you know, but you push through that shit and you figure out ways to work around it. And um, I don't know, it's just that, it's that commitment level. So if somebody in the gym, if you're really looking to get in extreme shape or get a lot stronger and and break through a plateau, you know, I know we always talk about taking steps backwards to go forwards, but t- sometimes taking that step backwards is kind of clearing the, clearing the slate for a second, taking a step backwards and refocusing on going forward with real intention. I'm going to break through this plateau. So, well, so, okay. And I guess from a standpoint of like some of the practicalities of it, because in order to improve, you have to go beyond what your current limit is to a degree, right? It's like, because the body adapts. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, well, if I lift this much weight, my body's going to adapt to that. So if I just stay with that forever, I'm never actually growing. The only way I'm going to grow is by somehow increasing intensity, load, something. um, Because that's just how we get better. 
but from a also from the other standpoint though where the the having good technique the doing things the right way and focusing on that is also really important and having good technique does help you move more weight and have higher you know all these sorts of things when you're doing it the right way then you're doing it safely and, and so forth but how do we then balance it like is it maybe like going through different cycles of like, okay, for these next couple of weeks, I'm going to push it. Or is it a, this is going to be my really push it day. And then the next day is going to be, I mean, how do you kind of break that down well, of balancing, focusing on trying to develop yeah. form and technique versus it's time to go. Naturally strength and conditioning pretty much has this kind of planted in. And that's what the, the D load is. You know, you'll commonly see every four to six to eight weeks, say a lifter, take a D load week. Um, where a number of things could happen. We could, you know, reduce the volume and keep the intensity high, but we would reduce so much stress from the, you know, the volume, or we could, you know, lower the intensity and raise the volume even on a deload, but change the nature of what we're doing that's volumized, right? So if you've done three to four straight weeks of back squatting, you take a deload, maybe we don't load the spine, but we do a lot of walking lunges, we push a sled, you know, now we've taken the intensity down, but we've still kept the volume up. So things can kind of change in relationship that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's naturally already in there. I think where we fall victim a lot, where I think the most part is that nobody ever kind of says like, maybe I have two. All right, so you have a deload week, or maybe like you were saying, I have a, a month where I kind of train hard. And then, or four weeks where I train hard. And then I like to take two weeks where I go back into a lot of like what people would deem as like physical therapy, but it's really just like, I go back in and I kind of work on core, structural balance, make sure I'm, I'm good because I just kind of push the engine. And then that allows me to recoup. That also allows me to create like clean up imbalances. And then when I go back on my next four week, you know, kind of uh, harder program, then I have one better mobility better movement all the above but you're recovered and you can push it to keep going so the biggest problem is we try to stay going all the time year round with the same sort of routine and that is because predominantly the most of most everybody becomes psychologically motivated right i'm enjoying i'm in the gym five days a week now i've been training jujitsu five days a week too. And I've got it to where I'm getting five rolls every time I do that. Like you don't want to take a step back. All of a sudden you start to start taking time away and they don't, you like variables happen. Then the biggest thing I see happen in that time is when you see people that don't have their lifestyle in check. And what I mean is all of a sudden they get this high of like activity for a while and then some of it's pulled away and then it's like, well, shit, I got to get to rolling again or I got to get to be able to do this again because I'm gaining weight. And it's like, well, that has nothing to do with, with not rolling and stuff. And it's like, well, that has to do with your diet. So I just like those sort of things you see where your imbalances truly lie. Um, and that is probably the biggest, most destructive one, you know, as exercise goes down for a period of time weight gain starts to happen in somebody and they freak out and they associate that I have to do as much as I was doing or do more instead of just realizing the a balance of flow right there and that they can be a, you know be an adult or be very smart on their body and just you know 
take control. Don't let, don't let everything spiral out of control. If you've yeah. got that. Okay. So the exercise is gone. And that man, but isn't that like a testament to the sort of the compounding of good habits and yeah. good things in your life? It's like, man, when my, when my body's feeling good and I'm, I'm in the gym, just the right amount, whatever that is, you know, and that varies from, from yeah. year to year, month to month, but whatever the right amount is, and I'm training the right amount of jujitsu and everything feels good. And that just makes me want to do other, th- it makes me want to go for walks because I'm in that f- healthy human lifestyle. It makes me want to eat better. Yeah, You're valuing like everything that makes up like, you know, and if you want to be a jujitsu warrior, which like you can identify as like having all those other pieces is what you would want in, you know, the overview of who you are as a warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want this, like, I don't want to look at the, the warrior I'm inspired by and like, it's like, well, that sucks. It looks like he trains three times a day and that's all he does. And by the time he gets home, he's barely got enough energy, you know? And, and I made that, that comment to you. I think it was you recently, or I've talked to several people about that. And that was like, kind of, I hate, you know, we're not talking bad about the liver King, but like, that's a, an account that's out there that's showing and it's inspiring so many people. And it is, it inspired me when I saw it, but then I'm like, so it's just working out every day. There's no movie night. There's no date night because that throws off circadian rhythm. You know, he goes to bed, follows the sun like that. That excites us when we see it. Oh my God, this guy, he's got it figured out. He does this and this, but it's like, what part of like real life comes into all this stuff? And we, we need that balance of things. And, and we need to know that to your point in training, if you're going to train hard, then train hard. But you also know that the harder you train, the more intense that you push volume and or intensity and workload in general, the more you're going to have to build that bank account up to support it. And, and like, you've got to like that stuff has to inversely, you know, go with it or else you're going to burn out. You're going to hit these plateaus in which you don't know because you don't have the skill. You've never gone back and slowed down and really worked on things. And so you're going to hit this plateau. And the only answer you're going to have is more, more, more. And then that's going to backfire eventually. So there's a weird thing with that too, because the grip it and rip it or like, uh, just push it harder. And I do more reps and, and more sets. And that seems to, to give me some results works to a point, like I said, but you know what else works is lighter loads and more mechanically, technically done. Now I'm not saying lighter loads. I'm just saying like, I'm not, I'm not advocating wussy weights here, but I'm saying like, you can actually use lighter loads and be more skilled at the exercise and get more out of it. That's not fun. That's <laughs> daunting. That's why a lot of people don't like to do that. People want to have fun. That's very, um, as you, we've done some, like we've on sets where I've cued you on things where it's like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that just changed that rep. And it's like, okay, now you see that three sets of eight, 24 total reps is going to be a motherfucker with that. Right. But if I had you just do it kind of regular, you could even go a lot more weight, get motivated today, mm-hmm. and do six to eight sets of eight. Well, it feels... Part of that is like the, 
just the qualitative versus quantitative nature yeah. of it, where if you really engage everything and you do it in a very particular way and like, man, this is really, really hard and I can't do that many and I can't do that much weight or I can just kind of do it the way I do it and stack up the weight on it. And I feel better about that because it's like, then I can measure it. Yeah. It's hard to measure it the other You're way. You're putting miles on the car. Like it's just like driving your vehicle. If you drive your vehicle, um, you, you take care of it, you change the oil, which is like kind of resembles like nutrition, right? Um, you do all those sort of things on routine. But if you drive your car well, you don't fucking go crazy, speed, run over curbs and stuff all the time. You can stack a shitload of miles on that thing. You can stack a shitload of miles the other way too. Mm-hmm. But we all know how our cars are and when I start to get 100,000 miles on this one that I've run over a bunch of curbs, bent the chassis, things are starting to show. And when they do show, there's very hard to come back. And you've got to treat your body the exact same way. So if you're listening to this now, you you already know, like, okay, left front tire, my left shoulder's already out of whack. Like, I've got these things. And, and then I'd say, like, are you planning on racing that car? Do you want to drive it with any bit of performance? Do you want to take it on a road trip? Because if you do, you got to stop right now and put a plan together to get that thing back into Formula One, you know, shape. And that might mean you get to exercise hardcore for some of us. And that might mean, unfortunately for, for others, that they'd have to, to really give up a lot of things they love and do a lot of hard work. And I, the interesting thing with that hard work is it's like it's the internal hard work. Because the internal hard work is what's giving you the motivation and the, the understanding to do it. So, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it, it's, it's hard to, as I am, and, you know, we're not as young as we once was, where you can get away with more. Uh, thinking about that sort of, the longevity aspect of it, and how to recover better, and all those kinds of, I mean, all that kind of plays Like, when it, it goes, it goes. Mm-hmm. And pain, pain is just like this constant teacher. And it constantly, it's like giving you, I saw, I read a quote, but I can't remember what it was. And it was so powerful. It was about pain in the lessons that pain gives you. And, you know, when pain's gone, things are, things are functioning good. But when pain's there, it's this, this constant reminder and it's an it's up to us to start to really figure out what's going on i mean that's the cool thing that we all have the power to do we don't have to be kinesiologists and understand the body too well we just have to start digging we just have to start you know kind of and i've talked about this before that self examination like if your shoulder hurts do your we all sit on Instagram for 10 to 20 minutes a day. So do yourself a favor and spend them 10 to 20 minutes and just look up the shoulder. You know, learn what those couple of muscles are that might be kind of hurting. Learn what their actions are. And chances are you're going to start to put some pieces together. It's like, oh, that thing flexes or extends this or, or whatever. And even if it doesn't make any sense to you, then the next step is like, then you talk to somebody. And that language that you all of a sudden have from that 10-minute Google talking to a physical therapist makes that conversation that much better, you know, and you can really start to understand so much. But you've just got to uh, honor pain, 
you know, work around pain to keep happy and to keep moving and to keep in shape, but figure out what it's trying to tell you. And that is training program number one at the time. You know, it doesn't matter what's going on and where you need to be. If there's a discomfort, faulty movement, pain and stuff to a degree, then you need to, to get that checked. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I was thinking about something earlier today. And I always, I always like to, I guess I was kind of like for the first time I was giving myself a pat on the back in the sense of I like to call myself like a student of the Soviet and the Eastern European bloc methodology of training and when I started thinking about I was listening to Chris Henshaw on Mark Bell's power project Chris Henshaw for those who don't know uh, coached uh, Rich Froning and Matt Frazier two of the greatest CrossFit guys and he's coached many other CrossFitters but he's had his hands in all the greatest and his big thing was, was building aerobic capacity within these guys and building a bigger engine to be able to do more and recover from more. And, and that's something I've talked about since the day you've walked in here is aerobic capacity. It's been something that I've trained big time. Um, so when I saw the Chris Henshaw stuff, I wanted to listen to it and I like his, I like his work, but it became they had a moment when he was talking to Mark Bell and they were talking about like lifting and then they were talking about his stuff and like running. And I realized that in a question he asked, he really didn't know much strength conditioning. Like he didn't really know much like sets and reps and prolipians table and these things based on, you know, so I realized like he's just totally been in his world and he was able to take, and implement his world to make something better, but he really doesn't know jack shit outside of his world. Not a knock. He knows a lot about his world, as he should. That's why he was valuable in creating champions. You know, because... But I started thinking about most trainers and most coaches, and I'm like, man, like, everybody's just getting glamored into their niche or their method or their tool and their experts in that area, but nobody has a basic understanding of the base, the thing that you and I have been like, we've been talking about. Nobody knows how to build like base level human athleticism. They know how to implement their tools and system and their know-it-all be-all. But you'd, even to the top coaches, you'll start to see, and it's like, oh, this guy, we got to follow him. We got to listen to this. But it's like, I don't listen to too much. I mean, he doesn't really know anything about this. So what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is being a student of the, the Eastern, Europe, Eastern European Bloc methodology where, is where the term GPP and SPP originated. You know, general physical preparedness. And then special physical preparedness, which is your sports-specific stuff. But this is where, you know, the greater Soviet Union back in the day of just the Iron Curtain and, and dominating the Olympics, and I love when the Americans want to talk, they want to stop me right there and say, yeah, all the drugs, and it's like, yeah, exactly, they were. 
<laughs> so were we. Yeah. Okay. So don't be don't be stupid. Don't there was be naive. A, they were better at it than we were. There was a pharmacological okay? arms if, race going on. If you want to be mad, they were better at it than we were. So really, like we were actually pissed off because we wish we could have been doing it. Yeah. But the Russians and the like those Eastern European bloc countries systematically brought kids, prepared kids, step by step, you know, at a general level. And as they can start to see a little bit more specific in nature of something, maybe somebody's natural abilities, uh, at certain ages, we start to pull them over to the things that they're going to be better at, right? Um, so going back to what I'm saying is all of our training and all of our stuff we see on social media and just out in the world on the websites and, and that we become glamored and that we want to do and, and be inspired by is all these like little niches of of physical culture, mm-hmm. but nobody has that base, and nobody has the ability as a coach. And there are, I'm saying, but the masses. What I see today is is they don't have an ability to get everybody to a baseline in all of those things, and so that's where I was patting myself on the back because I started thinking, I'm like, man, my weird organic growth in all of this has allowed me to somebody want to learn the mace i can teach somebody to be respectful and competent with the mace to where if, when they go on and i can direct them to the actual source and when i get them to the source they have such a good base level built already that real education gets to happen you know yoga i don't know a lot of yoga but I can effectively take somebody and I can get them and teach them a self-yoga practice. I can get them on a, a yoga journey of their own. And then I can introduce them to connections of mine that are masters at yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, um, powerlifting, same thing. I start going down all these things. And, and um, I guess it's just interesting because I don't see that in a lot of like trainers and coaches and stuff today. I I see the need to try to market and be an expert in in one specific thing and push it so hard and get so much attention and get as much out of as you can. The need for, you know, being well-rounded at that base level is just uh, seemingly not there anymore. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And I think that goes towards, the specialization just broadly in the economy. I mean that building expertise in a particular niche is, is valuable, right? That's sort of the, the way that you sell things and especially online, it's like you're, you're going towards a particular market where people are looking for something very specific. And so, uh, I see how it happens for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I don't know. I mean, because everybody has different goals, right? It's everybody that comes in doesn't all want or need the same things, but being able to help people find and achieve whatever their particular thing is, is sort of an, an interesting skill that it's made me question. I, I just want to know what everybody's thinking because like, again, like I don't feel like I know a whole lot, but I'm always like, finding the the progressions or the regressions like what an easier and better simpler way to do it 
mm-hmm. you know, like, and, um, so I, I guess when I'm like looking at a lot of these people, it's like, how are we not thinking about overall just building such a strong, powerful condition base before we do all this stuff that we all like to do? And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I let uh, people train past this exact thing of what I'm talking about. Like what I'm talking about is like, why is our, our industry and why are we all not educated enough on like really building healthy movement, balance, stability? Why are we all not experts in teaching another human being how to use their human body? I mean, it makes me think of going back into like elementary school and we had to do like, you know, the fitness tests and, you know, they made us climb a rope and do like stretches and flexibility stuff and yeah. walk on a balance beam. And I mean, we had to do like pull-ups and stuff, which yeah. is just, which is just crazy to, to think about the different stuff we had to do. And like that just old school calisthenics using your body, like so it doesn't exist. Shouldn't we be able to do all of those things? Before we do all these things? Well, yes. And we shouldn't lose those from our childhood. It's like, oh, right. well, we did it when we were a kid, but we don't have to do them anymore as an yeah. adult. And I think that's now tragic. We'll just, now we'll just play our games over here. Yeah. Our little exercise. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird... It, and that's such an obvious thing. And it's such an obvious thing, especially like when you're seeing, you know... Uh, it's the term, okay, the in the, in the Hinshaw podcast... You asked me last week what I was talking about on Saturday when I said, dude, we got to get in shape, okay? Mm-hmm. So for one thing, and I'm going to mess this up, but he was talking about what he did with like some of the tactics they would use on building aerobic capacity. And um, like Matt Frazier wanted to be able to do a certain amount of, I think it was, I can't even remember, maybe 20 or 50 or something, unbroken 150-pound D-ball you know, over the shoulders. Um, but he would like get tired and gas out. Right. So you got this five minute window and on the top of every minute, Chris would have him do a 150 pound ball, but do three explosive over the shoulders. And then maybe let's say that takes 10 seconds for the remainder of that minute. He would use a 20 pound medicine ball, super slow, but doing the same thing, active recovery. Right. And then top of the next minute, Bam, go. Now, over time, this it goes back into the entire conversation we've had today. A trainee looks at, okay, over time, the body will adapt, and I can start to raise that 20-pound medicine ball until maybe all of a sudden it's 60. Well, then let's raise the other end, and all of a sudden, let's go change the next variable and make 150 now 200 but then let's take that 60 back down to 20 and start that whole process back over again okay now one thing that's happening there with the active recovery is you know you're teaching the body how to how to use the lactate that it's producing and stuff so but my point here is what do i do in this gym very very well I don't ever stop moving, ever. Mm-hmm. And you've adopted that to a very good degree where if you're going to hang out in here, 
And what we're going to do when we get done with this podcast, before we train, we'll talk to people for 10 to 15 minutes. You and I will move. Mm-hmm. The ones who need the conditioning, that next level that I'm talking about, will talk and not move. So the simple act of like between your sets of doing something, starting to like, can you stand, work on your balance and stability shit you do. Work on, you know, posture, rolling the rope. Like if people will just start to think, all right, I've got to take accountability like in my time and like push a pace and I've got to build a base here. Like don't sit around and wait too long. None of you... None of you are professional powerlifters that have to have this perfect one rep max. Like, stuff is not that serious right now. The majority of people listening need to get off their ass and keep moving, especially in the gym. Especially in the gym. When you got five, 10 minutes in the gym, move with somebody, walk and talk. We do it. That's why I'm laughing because you know, like, how many times, I cannot tell you how many times I've ridden a bike for 30 minutes and talked to somebody standing in front of the bike the entire time. And that person, I love them to death, but that person needs to be on that bike too. Mm-hmm. And that's the secret to people. Like everybody's getting in the gyms, exercising, everybody's doing their stuff, but nobody consciously pushes a pace. And like, you know, gets excited about that pace, like gets excited about the ability to to build a bigger engine and outwork everybody. That's what you want. Like that's your longevity as a human. That's what's going to keep you playing with your kids, playing with your dogs, whatever it is in the hiking mountains. It's that capacity to keep going. And you can get that from the strength side too. I'm not saying don't rest at all. But, I, but the majority of us start playing around and we become distracted and we, we don't pay attention. All of a sudden, we've maybe had about 60 seconds rest between each one of our bench presses. And then we get off and three, four minutes goes by and we come back. That's not that kind of adaptable progression stuff that happens. Like the body remembers these things. So be pretty specific on it. Push it in a certain way. And, um, man, you get healthier. You build your conditioning up. And you can get stronger at the same time. And I cannot tell you how much work capacity helps. You listen to that Chris Henshaw podcast and listen to, you know, what happened with Matt Frazier and uh, Rich Froning and all of them, then you'll see. And it's, we did the same thing in the Jim Jones crew. That was why the Jim Jones crew back in the day, like, was like an exercise cult. Like, now it's not the same. But back when we were clanging and banging in there, dude, it was like it was death, man. It was crazy. It was nuts. But everybody had such high level capacity, you know. And if you didn't, you couldn't fucking keep up. You couldn't keep up in a workout, but then you couldn't keep up in the two or three or the afternoon workout. It's like we're gonna do four workouts today, you know, and we're gonna slay in all of them. And you'll find that what I'm talking about and you'll find like a high level crossfitter that you can, um, you can like maybe I'm trying to say like, let's say I'm working out with a high level crossfitter and I, and I know something that they're not normally used to and that it's going to destroy them. And I destroy them and they're laying on the ground, their legs are pumping, they're breathing, they're lactate. Everybody's had that feeling. Oh, you know what that badass high work capacity elite level crossfitter can do? Like, yes, they died for a second. Five minutes later, 
They're ready to go again. They're ready to go again. The normal person's like, even if you beat them in the thing and destroy them, most people aren't ready to do it again the next time. And, man, that is, that's grappling. That's where we need to be at. I think we get lost in numbers and stuff too much instead of thinking, what, like, how strong is strong enough? And then how big of a capacity can we build upon that strong enough? And I think people get too lost in, like, I need to be stronger. And they, you know, want to just keep chasing this, this number when all these attributes of, like, volume, capacity, density, these things, they don't get touched. They get laid wayside because you're focused on three plates instead of, you know, 315 bench press instead of 295 pounds being fine. Yeah. It goes back to that, like, the it's qualitative, so it's harder to, to measure. But the idea being, I may not be able to do as much weight. I may not be able to bench press as much, but I can do it for three hours straight. You know? Yeah. It's like I can go all day long if I had to. Versus I can go in for an hour and, and smash it, but then I'm done. Or can I just go in and just, I can do whatever and I can keep up, but I'm going to do it all day long and I'm going to be ready to go. Dude, that's what I built. Yeah. And I built it without knowing I was building it. Uh, so, man, like, I've been able to deadlift three times my body weight and run a sub three hour marathon. Very few people on the planet will do that. And like, it took me a while to like, you know, like, hey, good job, man. Like, very <laughs> few people will. But like, now I look at it, I'm like, I fucking did, man. I've, I've ran a sub three hour marathon and I did that in 2007. And that aerobic capacity that I built up for years upon years, that when I got back into lifting and then also got into things like kettlebells and, and um, much more aerobic capacity type work, dude, like that just compounded the mitochondrial density over years and years and years. And then all of a sudden I got to this physical level. And this was when I was in the height of the Jim Jones time. Now I'm back to 195 pounds. I'm all fucking muscle. You know, um, um, my strength is, is all where relative to when I was powerlifting, it was all right on the verge. And I think that's an even a badder thing to think about. And what I mean by that is like, my best powerlifting squat was 475. I was at 181. But what I always said is like, I could always walk in the gym no matter what, Monday through Monday and squat 405 if you needed me to. So other powerlifters, they've got their competition numbers and then they have no idea of like this, this daily max that they can like hit, right? So I always like kind of felt like, man, if I get my daily numbers to the level of like, that's how I viewed strength. It's like my daily, the numbers that I'm going to get to the numbers and only focus on the numbers that I can hit day in and day out. And I'm going to get those numbers to where everybody else is doing too. And now that's a fucking level. And that, that's just like building and compounding this stuff over time. But the capacity from running that marathon and being in that world for so long coming up built such an aerobic base that when coupled with my strength conditioning stuff, I had an engine where, and I still do today, it's my biggest problem. It's why my back is fucked up, man. 
like if people on the podcast listen to this, why I'm fucked up today is because of my capacity. You know, like I had, and you've seen it recently, I can go all day nonstop. <laughs> like I can do, I can roll, I can lift, I can roll, I can lift, I can roll, I can lift, and I can do it tomorrow. Hence why I was talking shit to the Liver King because <laughs> I felt like anything that he beat me in, I would be close enough to be respectful. But then it's kind of like the things that I'm going to beat him in, I'm going to destroy him in, first off. There's not going to be a closeness there. And then the other thing is like, you want to do it tomorrow? <laughs> you want to do it the next day? You want to spend the whole week out of here doing it? It's like you're not going to be able to keep up. So people... What I want you guys to think about is the more you try to overwork and over push yourself and feel these these burns and force things to happen quickly, they have a an exhilarating adrenaline like feeling, of course, that make us feel like we're gonna reach those goals faster. But you wanna play the long game with this stuff. You wanna play the long game with your strength, you wanna play the long game with with building aerobic capacity and it really can start like right now. You just kind of thinking like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to clean up all my badass exercises that, you know, I'm, I, whatever you do, everybody's got the ones they stand behind. Like, I like to do this for this and stuff. Okay. We'll clean them up and start getting more out of them and start fucking busting your ass around the gym. Like move more, you know, just walk more, do stuff, start to build that aerobic capacity and build that base to be able to recover easier and do more work to be able to get better faster. They, and they go together, but you have, to, you have to balance them back and forth and you've got to play with them. And the second you get in your head and you get a little bit like, ah, I'm just going to say, screw it today, I'm just going to go uh, have a cheat meal. Well, cheat exercise works against you in the worst ways. It's not like food. It, it, like You cheat exercise on things, then sometimes you need to take four, five, six days before you, know, you can really get good exercise again. You know, so I don't know. You, know. you know what I'm saying with all that? Absolutely. It's interesting stuff. Absolutely. And it's, it's the power for you guys to get your damn goals and, and get your results is just to take the bull by, by the horns and map this stuff out, think about it a little bit better, and just start to put a lot more intensive uh, focus into your day because your day kind of sets up your your aerobic capacity in general. Hmm. Makes me think, this is not even related really, but you're talking about just doing more. I remember a long, it's been a long time, and it was a study of, of, of obesity related study. And it was people who fidget more just like just fidget in their chairs and move around are like significantly less likely to be obese than people who are very sedentary, even in just like sitting in chairs and stuff, because you, you do, you, you burn more calories. You're just using more energy. Mm -hmm. You're, you're doing stuff by just fidgeting around. And I'm a very fidgety person, uh, as I move around. But before we get out of here, I want to get your take on something that's, yeah, really important um OU coaching situation mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been locked into Twitter trying to Who's, figure out who we hiring I don't know I don't know what do you think do you think it was a bullshit deal how they left I think a it's a little shady I, oh it's definitely shady but I mean it's it's 
God, where is all the money coming from nowadays with all of these coaches, with every one of them? That's crazy. Coaches, players in the NFL, quarterbacks now are 30, 40, $50 million quarterbacks. Like, I don't know, man. There's, I think about this all the time. I'm like, there's so much money. They got to do better stuff with this. Um, but dude, yeah, it's kind of shady. Went out, got himself a nice, nice little deal with that. They buy his house here, bought him a $6 million house in LA. I think some of that actually, I know the guy who has his house houses listed here. They actually didn't buy his houses. That turned out to not be true, but I do know the guy who has both of his houses listed here here in in Norman. Well, they definitely gave him a house in LA, didn't they? Uh, That could be true. That wouldn't surprise me. And then they gave him unlimited access to the private jet. I heard that. I don't know. I don't know what's true or not, but, uh, and, and significant amounts of money. Uh, good for him. You know, go, go get it. Go get it. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's in, he's going to, he took basically everybody with him and stuff. Yeah, I, it people. is what it is though. You know, the kids, the kids need to be able to transfer because the coaches aren't as loyal and stuff nowadays. And you yeah. know, you know, it's just, I guess when we give all these people the freedom to do this stuff, then, there's always going to be a story that makes it look bad or something, but yeah, that's what I figured. I need to uh, figure out how to get into representing kids and the uh, college kids and like the name, image, likeness stuff, and start doing like agent work. I don't now, know. I don't know how to get into that, but there's uh, there's money to be had there. I think. Yeah. Well, the, the real thing was the Brian Kelly uh, video. Did you watch that? Huh. I don't think so. That he it was like a f- like he basically talked for like two minutes, like literally. It was a four minute video, and oh, really? part of the time is like. Here comes Coach Kelly, like he's coming up. I mean, he had all his boys get up there at seven o'clock in the morning at the meeting room, and it's kind of like, all right, peace. I'm leaving. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like in that one, it was funny because it's just like, dude, you you owe these kids good speech, like a good stuff. With the Lincoln Riley thing, I definitely think his phone was blowing up a little bit in those meetings and planning. Uh, preparation for the game and that's kind of stuff that sucks it's like i get it when he was like oh like i made this decision like i heard from him on sunday morning and that's when i made the decision it's like no no hold on (laughs) reports are talking about like summertime yeah nobody makes nobody makes that decision that quickly and it just pops up i mean yeah no that's crazy it's crazy those things just don't happen that quick they can't uh, you know, you look at o- OU and they're having to go through like, the Board of Regents to approve the contract. I mean, these things take days and they take time and like, whatever. It's funny. It's just the drama of it. You got to love it. Get something interesting going on. Uh, it's man, good to have things, though, that we can fight about that aren't politics. I know, right? Stuff We can at least say like OSU sucks or OU sucks or back and forth. Right. That. All the trash talk. That stuff still got its, uh, God, it's about all that's left and good. good I know. Old. Just the good American old, trash talk, right? Good there. old Your fashioned sucks. shit talk. <laughs> yeah, all the uh, OSU fans are, are eating it up right now. They should be, and they're that like, was, uh, "Oh, you're gonna go out there and get your ass kicked in the SEC? Have fun with that." We'll see. We'll see. Man, SEC is a is a different game. Yeah, we'll see. It's that different preparation. Yeah, there's only a couple teams that are worth crap out there. <laughs> True. <laughs> the rest True. of them suck too. So. I know. <laughs> well, coach, any last words before we get out of here? Man. Um, the same words as we always tell you, eat real food, get some daily movement in, and uh, start to pay attention to your thoughts and your breath a little bit for uh, a couple minutes a day. And, and I promise you, those three things right there will put you on a path, whether you're in the gym, out of the gym, traveling all the time, doesn't matter what your situation, 
those three things are the first and major parts of health to begin with. So don't neglect them. And I'm going to reiterate something you said that I love. That's the, you know, in between those sets and everything else, don't just sit there and do nothing, like still do something good for your body. Get a little stretch in of some kind, move, walk, something in between. Just keep moving. Can, build, yeah. that, build that engine. Yeah. Can you imagine just sitting there and doing 90, 90 rotations or a little hip flexor stretch or a nice little hang or little roll in the rope between sets. It's, it's endless. You can do everything and all it's going to do is improve your fitness, which the majority of you, that's what you're looking to do. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us here on another episode of the green strength podcast. We're going to be back again and again. We've actually, uh, we're going to have a a fun little episode coming up with some special guests coming in. I got a couple that we're uh, talking to, to get in here. We're going to talk about cooking food, making delicious recipes, gourmet food. That's going to be coming up. I'm going to, I'm excited to ask about, uh, favorite way to cook a steak because i've, I've yeah. come to some conclusions myself about how i like cooking steak so that's going to be upcoming and his his food presentation his presentation looks good but his food is amazing and what i can't wait to talk about is just like if anybody ever says like good healthy food like doesn't look good and it's fun to cook then just get out of here yeah, yeah right yeah so we'll have that coming up very soon right here on the green stream podcast so stay with us stay subscribed and share it with a friend don't forget Give Coach Luke a follow on Instagram at GreenStrengthIV and head on over to GreenStrengthOnline, GreenStrengthHQ.com. Until next time, we'll see you on the Green Strength Podcast.